Hello everybody again, this is episode 12. So if you got that little music intro, I didn't have it turned up that loud. We're talking about the connected athlete state of mind. So um, yeah, I mean, uh, for those of you who haven't worked out yet, I uh, guess I spent um, a lot of my, uh, yeah, a lot of my years listening to the older school hip hop stuff. So uh, sometimes when you listen to these guys, you realize that they're not just all guns and uh, and flashy cars. Uh, beyond the walls of intelligence, life is defined. Is a pretty uh, a pretty good line. So anyway, Swain Tuft, the wild thing in Andorra. Hello there. <laughs> hey, bud. Yeah, man. So uh, yeah, we want to. You know, we want to. I won't say we want to go off topic here, but um, I guess we're going to go on a topic that's pretty much unlimited and very individual but i guess we both yourself and myself have a lot of uh experiences with our our own journeys in sport and particularly in the endurance world obviously and how your state of mind and how you approach things from a mindset point of view can really change how things work but um so before we get into that and um yeah, we'll uh, we'll just cover a few things that's I guess happened over the last recent times. Uh, you were featured in a piece in that cool cycling magazine. I don't know how you pronounce it. Is it Ruler or Roller? Ruler, yeah. I think I think it's Ruler. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, like all of these things, and this is where we can get like from i'd always like to get get things from the horse's mouth so to speak but uh a lot of the time when people hear about stuff that me and you are doing um it's it's always it's always magnified into being some sort of really crazy hippie wacko caveman kind of stuff when you know hopefully up to this stage if people have been listening to this and people have been reading my my posts um we're not trying to be hippie or crazy or cavemany we're just trying to live uh in as natural a way as we can um ironically a lot of those natural ways and natural uh instincts are almost they're almost deemed a little bit uh crazy or just kind of uncommon i guess these days but uh so you know, for your own piece, for anyone anyone who buys that magazine, or for anyone who's going to read stuff like that, um, yeah, can you just take a, take us through how it was how it was done and how it was uh, how you were interviewed and what you actually did? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, I actually haven't even read it yet, so I don't know if they, you know, maybe made me out to be a madman. I don't know, right. but. Um, yeah, it was it was one of those things. They they contacted me a while ago, and um, I said, sure, yeah, if, if uh, they're keen to come up to Andorra and uh, and hang out and <laughs> do some proper, I said, like, make sure they're ready for a day out. And uh, sure enough, uh, uh, two guys, Richard and uh, Michael, showed up, um, and I just planned a, a day. 
they wanted to spend the night but we actually had a big snowstorm coming in uh that same weekend so it was, it was kind of uh one of those deals where yeah to go up into the real high country it would have been uh, probably a little sketchy so um yeah we ended up just doing a big day from the from the house and uh you know i'm always a little uh skeptical of of um <laughs> I don't know. I just you, you you don't know like when people say if they have experience um, in these types of uh, ordeals going up in the mountains. You just don't know what people's levels are. So yeah, you it's one of those things. You until you get out there, you you don't know. And uh, these two guys are super keen and and really awesome to hang out with the whole day. I was really impressed. We had a <laughs> a really great day and sunshine and. It was cold and and there was uh, dust in the snow, and uh, yeah, it was just just a beautiful time. And I got to show them around uh, my little neck of the woods, and and uh, it's one of those things like we we were just you know hanging out like you would with friends, but uh, we would have some chats. We'd stop here and there, and there was a little moment uh, took. We ended up down at my uh, I've dammed off like a creek and made a good uh, pool and and you know these guys <laughs> we had some uh, nettle tea I'd picked up on the mountain and uh, so we were sitting there having some tea and then it was time to uh, take a dip in the cold pool which you know at that time is probably three or four degrees and uh, coming straight off the mountain straight off the fresh snow melt and uh, yeah these guys jumped in and uh, my hat's off I was really impressed <laughs> we had a great time and um yeah it's cool to do stuff like that and you know it's it's not so often i think in maybe cycling publications where you know they're stepping outside of uh, the normal interview of a coffee shop in monaco uh, yeah you know talking about the season to come. <laughs> yes exactly Um we also had a, a guy um who was just uh, writing today to me um i think he's based in sydney or i think he's i think he moved from the uk to australia and uh his comment was that um you know a lot of the disconnected athlete stuff this isn't just for athletes or or i was wondering could we you know look at um let's say presenting the connected athlete stuff to people who are you know just busy with work and family and the modern stresses of life and I guess my response to him was is you know a lot of the stuff that we are talking about we're not saying it's just for athletes it's it's you know a lot of this stuff is just for normal normal living in fact Svein you know uh, we we would we would probably both if you know you're, you're in your last year as a professional cyclist and you're what you're you're, what you're doing and what you're eating and how you're living is probably not going to change too much, right? No way. Yeah, I, I plan to keep doing a very similar, not nearly the same workload, but, um, you know, the fun part of biking and then all the other great stuff there is to do. I'm going to continue, if not more, in uh, exploring other avenues. So, yeah, it's it's definitely applies to everyone, not just athletes. That's a really great point. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's just get on to a few topics of discussion here about mindset and your state of mind. I guess I'll, I'll just kick off with, with 
we don't want to get into we're not psychologists or anything we don't want to get into uh uh you know power animal sorry power animals power animals yeah (laughs) you never heard of that one no what's that crazy sports psychologists they try and get you to identify with an animal okay <laughs> it's like okay. it's it's as your power animal and you you're supposed to think yeah in the way that this animal and how it <laughs> yeah okay yeah. so uh, there's yeah. a lot of tricks out there yeah there's a lot of tricks up there and here's what i will say it's like in my dealings with working with athletes and even being a sort of an athlete myself it's like i guess when you become you know kind of as fit as you can be or and um you know you get to a level of performance that you're you know you're not going to drastically change much you know people then what what holds a lot of people back is is their is their is their state of mind and yeah i'm sure you've come across it i've come across it a lot with professional cyclists it's like yeah some of the best people in terms of actual athletes and whether they're cyclists or any type of of sport any type of athlete really it's like they can have all the skill all the talent all the fitness all the training etc etc but often what lets them down is their is their own mindset and i guess (laughs) my own first point is that i guess i I, I would kind of call myself the definition of medio- mediocre, as in I'm kind of like, you know, average height, average build, average intelligence. But I've, uh, I, I would say a lot of, let's call it, say, okay, I'm not doing that on a professional level, but, you know, winning big ultra marathons and being able to run for 100 miles on very little. Um, and I'm, I'm doing pretty well now at the at the shorter mountain uh, style races. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of 40 years of age now. You get to kind of know yourself a bit more. Um, and I'd probably say that the reason I'm able to do what I do, even though it hasn't been anything world class, is it's not because I'm super fit or fitter than... Like, I don't do much more training than the average guy. Probably my nutrition is 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 something that I've worked on a lot because of my you know it's just what I've what I've studied for the last ten years or so. But um, I've often found that my own um, just mental approach to things is helps me get to where I need to get to. And I'll, I'll start with a classic quote from I think it was a former U.S. Pres- president is. Whether you think you can do something or can't, you you are usually right. And mm-hmm. I like to kind of work off that phrase a lot because I see it so much today that people... Well, let's just break it down to simple things that we can relate to here, Spain. It's like when people are going out to train or if they're going out to do a race or any kind of form of competition they can almost talk themselves out of it before the event or the training or the the, the race even starts. Um, so, you know, I did send, we, you know, we, we can talk about studies, but there's a very nice, uh, if anyone reads the Science Daily, so it's www.sciencedaily.com. Uh, it's a very good website which puts up you know reviews of modern a lot of a lot of modern research 
um, in, in various different categories. And one was this cool study that they did on, um, I think they were just normal people, but they had two groups and one group was put into this room where they showed, I think they showed videos about the benefits of cycling. And in another room, they put a separate group into a room that showed, I think it was like the dangers of cycling. And then they both got them into the lab to train um, on an on a bicycle machine on a ergometer like so a turbo type bike for I think it was only 30 minutes but they then test I can't remember the exact test they did but they did some neuro neurological testing and obviously some emotional uh, questionnaires and anyway it showed that the people who went in with the kind of positive mindset about cycling got way more adaptations and were lower stress and happier and actually gained more from the training session than the than the, than the people that 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 had the kind of negative information given them given to them before the 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 test or the training session begun so just on that to start us off Sven, i guess you know you 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 be quite similar. It's like you whether you think you can do something or you can't, you're you're usually right. So, I mean, you can just start us off there on some of your own experiences related to that. <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, I'm I'm pretty similar to you. Like, um, not really, you know, <laughs> great at anything. Just kind of decent at uh, a lot of different things. And, you know, the only thing I believe that really got me to a point where this is a job where I get to do something that I love to do was was my mindset and the fact that I just always believed that, you know, when I started this, I, that's what I was going to do. It was just, there was no other alternative in my mind. So, yeah, I'm a, such a huge believer in this. And um, one of the biggest areas I've seen people kind of, you know just falling apart with with mindset is is in just their daily training regimen and weekly training regimen you know they have this plan and this idea of of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to achieve and they're almost robotically going about this uh this this training plan day to day and in some ways dreading it and forcing themselves and in this belief that that's going to be better for them than if they kind of just backed off a bit waited till the body was ready waited till the mind was freshened up to go and enjoy that that same thing you know mm. and I, I, it goes back to what we were talking about in the last podcast it's like you're choosing again to torture yourself with this with this type of training with this mindset with going out and just it's almost like punishment and it's like the body doesn't do well with that. I mean, <laughs> that study's a great example. It's just minor, in, but it's way more extreme what you're actually doing to your, to your body when you're not believing in what you're doing in each moment. And the reason, again, I know this so well because I, we all do it. I do it. And you really have to watch yourself. You really have to keep it in check because when it's positive, when you have the, the power on your side and you're you're psyched about your training and you're going out there and you're crushing it and it feels awesome when you come home that's 
that's what you got to keep doing. That's what you got to keep grasping. And as soon as it becomes detrimental or heavy or tiring and just like, oh, you're dreading these workouts, you need to just back it off a little bit and come back, come back uh, with a with a fresh head because you're not doing your body any good. You're you're really just actually you're just wearing it out, and you're also just adding to the 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 deeper hole that you're gonna have to dig yourself out of down the down the road so yeah i mean <laughs> mindset's massive and we can that's just one little aspect um but yeah I, yeah I'll, I'll leave it at that for now <laughs> yeah 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 we can I've, there's lots more to go into but um yeah i guess uh you know to give some people i guess specific things maybe that they can do on what you what you were talking about there um you know one thing i would say is uh, it's very hard when at, when somebody is training whether you're a cyclist or a runner or a triathlete or uh any kind of individual sports you have your set training plan and you're you know you're going through the you know, some people, I can relate to running obviously a lot because I'm mainly a runner. Um, I know some people that like have to run to specific volumes each week. You know, it has to be 60 miles, 80 miles, 100 miles a week. And if they, you know, if they, they're running only 95 miles a week instead of 100 miles, they, you know, can often deem their their weekly training session uh, sessions to be a failure, you know. So, um, yeah, I think having, uh, not having such a set regimented approach to the way you train or what you actually do is going to allow you to essentially enjoy it more without creating too much of a stress for yourself. And the other thing I would say then is that enjoyment, you should not be doing a training session because you have to do it and it's going to make you fit you should be doing it primarily for the enjoyment factor especially if you're somebody like me who's not getting paid to run or to cycle or to do anything it's for fun um, totally. and so uh, the amount of people like i know people who are training for marathons and they might be only just doing one marathon a year and they're they're only doing it to run four hours or three and a half hours and they will be killing themselves because you know they be they'll be dreading having to do 20 miles for the long run on a Sunday when when like I, I'm really looking f- I can't wait to go out and do my to, to do whatever long run I have planned for the weekend I'm, I'm like really looking forward to it so think of the difference in the power of that and the effect of that that training you know that's what we're going for is this to to gain adaptation from the workload and those two different mindsets you know like oh jeez i gotta do 20 miles tomorrow and and you're just excited like you're waiting for that day hoping the weather's going to be good planning your route or whatever you know like it's it's such a different power yeah so that's like really that is massive and uh, i mean i i the the study i referenced is only one of a few studies but i think there's going to be more studies on and this is something i just believe in myself is the area of epigenetics is where you are born we are all born with certain genes however some genes can be expressed not just 
um, they can be expressed based on your the stimuli or your environment or even through you know your your living um, conditions and even your foods in other words you're not stuck just with the genes that you have o other genes can be expressed to give you other adaptations and I think that you know mindset is a massive trigger for genetic expressions so um, you know if you are saying dreading a training session or even worse if you are saying to yourself oh I'm gonna fall apart during this next you know this next race at this hill or I'm not gonna be able to do this uh, the 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 swim is gonna kill me or stage six is is a nightmare uh, you know these ways that you can almost deactivate your like I said you're almost like deactivating your genetic expression for that that will help you you know progress and succeed at what you're doing yeah I, I think that's such a uh, huge point here is, is like just what you said uh, one of the most frustrating things for me to hear from people is like oh it's in my genes it's in my family and it's like well yeah your family members might have lived in a pattern that kept switching on certain bad pathways of genes and that's that's a problem but to just always fall back and use it as a crutch to not do things or change the way that you are living through exercise or nutrition <laughs> that's the worst excuse ever because uh, I believe like through epigenetics I mean you see it in, in people how the, their ability to change so much from or you just take an obese person that can you know lose all this weight and become super fit and super happy that's that's two different beings really and uh, that's the ability to do that in, a, in one lifetime totally and uh, I think that that people really need to always use that as an example as like what you can do with your own life there, you never use genes as a as a fallback to why you shouldn't do this or that or you know your mom had bad knees so you can't go hiking it's like <laughs> come on that's that's not a that's not a true story in your life you know and uh i, I hear it all too much and it just oh, I, I, it makes me sad actually it, i get frustrated but then i'm more sad than anything. yeah so um you like uh, a train of thought can actually change how your genes express themselves and if you haven't heard about this before it's kind of like people are like whoa that's kind of wacky stuff it's not it's this is this is like this is pretty well known now and um, I can almost feel it myself when all of these things happen when you know the way in which you think and visualize actually we need to talk about visualization how you think about what your training session is going to be um, how you think about your racing how you think about like I'll give you a little example um, most of the time when I'm thinking about what I'm gonna do training wise I actually will visualize the training route that I'm gonna go on and mm -hmm. what I'm gonna do and I, I just have a little think about it in my head and I picture it and I picture like <laughs> 
what I'm going to wear maybe and what coffee I'm going to drink and what route I'm going to do and a really I mean this is a really old kind of a thing visualization because but I do think it helps because it brings down almost a familiarity with what you are about to do and um, man you know I just want to share share a similar story yeah it's it's really massive um especially i find at this point in my my career when i have a a big day planned i almost i almost start a few days out planning the route right thinking about each climb or or how this is going to link up here and and you know actually how you're going to go about that ride because i always always find after i'm done those days i'm like man what how did i do that why did i do that <laughs> but like when i'm building up to it i have nothing but like excitement and like oh man this is gonna be crazy like because now it seems like i'm at this point where you know normal training loops just don't excite me as much anymore <laughs> i have to go and like find some some different areas and and uh, some you know really massive massive loops and um i'm telling you that visualization makes the day just cruise by like like nothing and and it's only when you're done you're like wow, i don't know how that day went you know like how did that happen and uh it's pretty awesome the power of that visualization because it really uh it powers you right through through those kinds of uh, sessions yeah totally so i mean if i was to give kind of three things to people to how to kind of like improve your mindset for something like training I would definitely get into that visualization of what you're going to do and even what the conditions are going to be like because like you know I like I know cyclists are big into the weather but uh I when when you live in the west of Ireland you kind of have to check the weather uh, or at least somehow guess what it's going to be but if I know the weather's going to be bad or there's going to be snow or there's going to be rain or whatever I I will visualize the conditions at which I'm going to be training in so that when I actually get up and go and do that set that whatever I'm doing it's just not that bad because I'm, I've almost kind of pre-programmed myself to do it you know I'm the same and I think the body actually follows that mental preparation in the sense that you aren't shocked about the cold or the wet it's like you've you've started preparing well out and the body's like already switched on to start you know just cranking up the the engine a little bit yeah and, and getting into the day yeah so that's a big one and we can bring i'll i'll give a little story about how i brought that to the race situation because i think it becomes even bigger for competition but anyway um definitely visualization the other thing that i, I don't we haven't really talked about but i find that training particularly if you are let's say somebody who's maybe a beginner or intermediate or particularly maybe in bad bad weather and maybe winter i think having a buddy to train to train with really helps things because if you're getting up in the morning or going out in the evening and you're doing it on your own and the weather is shit it's it's a lot easier to kind of say to yourself oh i'm going to skip this but um if you if you have arranged to meet somebody at 7 p.m. or or 9 a.m. in the morning, I, I will 100% of the time go and meet that person. You know, uh, so I know it's not a 
it's not usually a pro cyclist thing to do because you're just so used to training on your own that you get used to relying on yourself but a lot of people are aren't used to relying on themselves so going out with a buddy or a group is much better and sure. the final thing i would say and we don't need to i mean this is uh, no rocket science but um in terms of what you were saying at the beginning about doing something different and just taking a break from what your training schedule is or what i would say in basically in general is train outdoors um it's i mean again there's actually studies on this in terms of the influence the indoor environment is having on your emotions versus uh the outdoor environment and one little thing that it comes down to is uh i was actually doing a bit it's rotting you yeah it's rotting you and what the (laughs) you i did a bit of reading on this today actually um there's two types of attention there's voluntary attention and there's involuntary attention right so you're walking around a big city with traffic noise buildings bright lights etc your your mind is having to kind of a a voluntary it's gonna it has to uh, concentrate on all of those things right and you it almost creates uh you know a, a, a pain in your head from from all of the stimuli whereas you go out for a run in the in the hills or in the forest or down on the beach or you go for a cycle in the mountains your brain is being put under involuntary attention. In other words, all of the natural environment you're not really concentrating on, but you're taking it all in. And that is doing you a world of good versus being in a gym on a treadmill or, you know, watching a TV while you, or unfortunately a lot of cyclists are sitting inside on their turbo trainer with music blaring or watching some staring at a portal of yeah, uh, yeah. Swift. yeah. so yeah. i mean those trees man i yeah i'd like to share a little something yeah. just along those lines um you know one of the big things i've changed in in my training is i just it's something we talked about earlier it's it's really hard to listen to your body and just have the faith in 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 believing in in the, those signals but you know when i feel I've been pinning the sympathetic nervous system way too hard for for quite three or four days. I need to just get back into parasympathetic mode. And what I've found is to to be out in the woods in the mountains. I'm lucky I can just walk out the door here. But um, I just walk and I walk super slow. I just I walk. I stop. I look around, and I keep going. Breathe fresh air, soak in the the sunlight, soak in the the colors and uh obviously grounding is involved but um yep it's you're out moving but you're not crushing your you know trying to stay in a heart rate zone or whatever and i have to say like what i'll do is i'll just uh, i'll go for however long it should be and sometimes that's an hour sometimes that's three hours or four it doesn't really matter because when you're moving like that it's not a big drain on the system and you just find everything is just slowly coming back down and it really gives you a good perspective on what you've been doing and and uh you know how to kind of go forward again 
without doing that too hard to yourself again. Well, but, what, um, it's, what, what you described there, Svein, was something that's very in fashion and trendy at the moment is mindfulness. Oh, jeez. Mindful, mindfulness. <laughs> so, uh, over here anyway in the, you know, uh, Ireland, Ireland and the UK, and I'm sure in America too, and, and, and all, plenty of other busy places, uh, you can do a mindfulness course pretty much in any town or city uh, here in Ireland and um, what it is is uh, what you know obviously what you're doing there in terms of just getting out into nature and walking slowly is just being being in a mindful state because we're not we're not being we're not in a mindful state for too long these days because we've got just we live in a world of distraction right um, yeah yeah some being getting just you know being present and being mindful about your where you are what you're doing how you're feeling is yeah that's just important for anybody for anybody on to add to that that story one of the things i i do um up on the mountain (laughs) is uh have that uh fantastic french bulldog farts and uh oh yeah we go goat hunting which isn't really you know we're not shooting anything but uh we try and get as close to the goats as possible which you know they're always going to kick our ass and uh yeah but it's it's really cool to actually you know how much your awareness steps up when you are trying to actually track something or follow something in the woods you're it's like we're we've been programmed with all these great senses that we don't use anymore um totally and, and especially because what you were saying before within a city you have so much distraction that I think your brain it just goes into a mode of just it's just it can't handle to pay attention to everything right so yeah we just come desensitized and uh, you know if you can if you do live in an area where you can get out to a park or out to some woods and uh, and almost pretend you're hunting it's really uh, and again I know it sounds crazy maybe to some people but it's a feeling that uh, really you can't explain until you're until you're there when you're trying to move slowly move quietly listen look and you're always looking up you know it's uh you're gonna you're gonna have to get the boys from ruler magazine back and do some go go hunting with them (laughs) the yeah that's the that'll be the latest uh you know that'll be the latest pro cycling training now uh, so anyway, uh, yeah. So look, there's a few things there. Visualization, uh, um, obviously a lot to do with mindfulness, uh, buddying up, and then as myself and Svein are always going on about getting outside and doing whatever it is you want to do in nature. Just be outside and do it. Uh, another, a lot of our philosophies and ways of thinking would also come from. A book that I keep referring to called Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb. So, um, I mean, I, when I was setting up this Patreon account, the what you know, I was toying with the idea of calling it the Anti-Fragile Athlete because uh, I'd almost, I'd almost, you know, any, I'd almost, I should maybe put it up somewhere. It's like, you know, part of being the connected athlete is that you are familiar with the the you know that you've read the book anti-fragile so um just a couple of things on that i mean just how it works in general is how it how it how it affects 
there's lots of different philosophies discussed in the book okay but uh, the overall the overall meaning of anti-fragile is that you can take shocks and benefit from them okay and that it's different from being trying to be robust and res resilient is one thing but robustness and resilience don't change anti-fragile takes the hits moves on and advances forward and um, I think if you have that approach to any kind of sport in life it's going to benefit you so um, I mean Svein I mean you, I've g I actually gave you the book and you read it and uh, you probably resonated with it pretty well uh, one area that I briefly discussed with you before we started the podcast was the the ancient Greek philosophy of Stoicism and being a Stoic uh, which is refers to just being logical about your approach to things and not worrying about the small things and uh, I mean the the real casual way of describing it is not it's just somebody who doesn't give a shit about uh, or just accepting that shit happens and uh, that's a real casual way of describing it but I guess my my take from it and how I would approach things is uh, I don't get you know I don't get worried if uh, if my watch stops working or if uh, I don't have the latest pair of sneakers to run with or all of those kind of what I feel, I just find that are trivial things that people can get worked up about uh, I just care about the bigger things and. Um, again again apply the kind of anti-fragile approach to uh not trying to keep myself in a certain way it's like being able to adapt to the stresses and and take what comes your way and try and gain benefit from the from the shocks so uh, i mean Sven, there's loads in it and I can go into a lot more stuff related to, to anti-fragile but i guess i was just talking about the general kind of general approach to an anti-fragile athletic life I mean would you practice that kind of way yourself and what are your thoughts on it yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of, of that whole idea and the whole philosophy I'm not a big fan of labeling things it doesn't really matter to me um, I just want people to have what they believe and have it sure in their head and be confident about it so um, I love all these different philosophies but I guess my biggest thing is like and something we've discussed before is that life is about constantly learning and never really claiming to be like uh, the maestro of anything it's like you know you're never you're never gonna master anything in your life but you can keep trying to learn and, and keep trying <laughs> and I think that's my my biggest thing in life is that I'm completely content with that. I want to. I'm never going to claim to be the best or or that I know everything. I, I quite honestly know I know nothing. And uh, the older I get, and the more things I learn, and the more things I experience, the more I know that. So, really, for me, it's about um, being okay with with constantly learning and trying to adapt and grow, and never letting things you know bog you down or you know getting too wrapped up in the minutiae of, of things like you mentioned before Barry like really minuscule things and the whole idea of what you're actually trying to do you're <laughs> you're a human out there we're just 
we're all humans and uh, you have to love what you're doing and if uh, if your watch crapping out and not giving you the data file for your training peaks is going to ruin that session well i think you need to reassess uh mm. where you're where you're coming from and uh and try and find a different path to enjoy that thing because yeah <laughs> life is uh there's a lot more to it than that, I think. And uh, again, it's something we can go into great detail about. But yeah, I, I think that's kind of just my perspective on the words of Annie Fragile, which, uh, yeah, I, I think is a, is a great read. Yeah, and what you were describing in terms of what you, your last, uh, your last um, topic of discussion there, you were talking about uh, your senses being heightened when you're doing something like you're just out in the bush or out in the forest with a dog chasing goats it's like there's actually another good book that explains how we've developed uh, and how we've lost a lot of our senses um homo sapiens the history of mankind have you heard of that book yeah yeah fantastic book and then there's also homo deus okay i haven't that's the follow-up is it yeah 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 yeah, I've, he, the author's name is a. It's a. It's not an easy name to pronounce. But he's, uh, is Israeli or something? I think I it's. Think, uh, yeah, I think it's Israeli, but Homo yeah. sapiens. Yeah, great book and has a lot of what you were just referring to there. Uh, discussed about our evolution and how our senses and our our awareness, how that's been lost. But um, yeah, I mean, just moving on to competition or races for people and how a lot of these things would apply. I mean, I'll just give a story it's the best way to describe things maybe is uh biggest race i've won was a 200 kilometer uh, race and it's off road trail mountain and i won it in 26 hours 25 hours and something i think 25 and a half hours or something like that so people always people always ask me did you stop or did you sleep no this is non-stop i started at like 6 a.m on a friday morning I ran all day. Um, and gel then, flasks everywhere. Sorry. <laughs> power gel flasks. Power everywhere. gel. Yeah, no, I got no, through yeah. three power gels every 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 hour. Um, so yeah, and then I ran through the night, and then I finished at about just after eight a.m. in the morning on the Saturday. But um, anyway, to do that, I would say. Uh, there's for anyone who's doing kind of endurance type sports you reach a not a threshold but you reach a level where if you i i feel like if you can run you know a marathon you can kind of run most you can run you can kind of you can kind of run any distance if you can run for three or four hours you can run for five or six hours and if you can run for five or six hours you can run for 10 or 11 hours it's like it, you know you're generally if you've got that kind of level of aerobic fitness the next part that you need to work on is your is simply your 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 mindset as to i mean there, there is conditioning and stuff that you have to do for the really long stuff but i mean i guess i mean physically or just aerobically um most of the time that you can you can you know you get to a certain level you know anyone who can cycle hundred miles can like can kind of cycle any distance they want right um so my point being is that what gets you through really long stuff 
for anyone who's listening that's doing ultra endurance stuff uh, I'm kind of like it's 50% yeah you got something cooking there Sven down in the garage alright you've got anyone uh, anyone who's kind of doing something ultra or long or any kind of big event it's it's about the mindset approach that you have to doing that in terms of again if you keep telling yourself that you're going to fail or you're going to fall apart or you're going to need this and need that then you're going to need it I approached this race first of all visualized pretty much I had I knew the whole course so I visualized in my head pretty much every kilometer of that no I won't say every kilometer like every section of that 200 kilometer race I pretty much visualized the different sections and the different landscape and um, what I was going to see even and stuff like that so that when I actually did the race um, now there's a balance here because what you really want, don't want to do in any situation is plan 100% exactly what you want to happen in any race because you know 99 times out of 100 <laughs> that plan is not going to um, it's not going to happen uh, uh, it's not going to happen perfectly so what you kind of have to do is visualize any and plan let's call it the macro scale the macro things don't don't plan or even visualize the the micro stuff so have a big picture approach to what you're doing and accept that there will be lots of you know micro or minor changes that will happen along the way um so anyway that's what i did i was like i kind of knew the checkpoints i knew the landscape i had an idea of the what the night section and the daytime sections were going to be like and then i also didn't rely on external stuff okay so I didn't actually run uh, with a GPS. I I knew the route and I was confident with my map reading skills. Um, I didn't need like a support vehicle going around with me with all sorts of different foods on board because I was completely, you know, happy with my f- level of fat adaptation. So I knew that my that I didn't need to eat much and what I needed to eat was fairly little and that I could get access to that either I had a few things in my bag or I knew that a few checkpoints would have what I needed to eat um, so that took out the stress and the worry from that aspect again it's giving me more it's almost giving me more control then of my own choices and my own um, you know confidence I guess level of what I'm doing and then um, I didn't worry about you know bringing changes of shoes or changes of clothes because I was comfortable in what I was wearing and I knew that I can you know I knew that I could get through what I needed to get through with what I was wearing um, and I'm not afraid of different weather conditions because I was con- I've been training in all sorts of weather conditions and I don't I can deal with the cold and um, I'm not I don't shy away if it gets wet so. What I guess what I'm trying to say is I was going into this race in very a very almost I won't call it selfish but a very kind of self assured about what I was doing and I didn't have I wasn't 
doubting myself i guess the biggest thing that people go into any you know big iron man or any i mean maybe Sven, you can talk about this going into say something like the tour de france okay everyone's going to have some form of self-doubt but uh, at the end of the day if you've got too much self-doubt then that's going to hinder any kind of race or competition that you do so that's my little story and um, maybe Sven, you've got you've got something to uh re- resonate with that <laughs> oh i got a few stories but um yeah you know that self-doubt is uh it's a killer and um yeah we all do in any in any time you're lining up at a race we all have a little nervousness or whatever but when you're constantly dreading and cooking up scenarios of bad things that can happen or are afraid to try something because of you know you just you're just completely afraid that's that's always going to ruin you and also that it's a great point when you try and plan all the micro things you're setting yourself up for disaster because you're mm. you're trying to control things that are completely uncontrollable you know especially when you're dealing with nature which is you know Barry what you did was you you were so self-aware it's so liberating to do what you're doing because <clears throat> you didn't have any worries and you were completely self-assured in what you you can do and what your body's capable of and boy that's that's liberating and empowering compared to the other the alternative thinking that this special formula at the feed station is going to power you to this next marker and then this is going to happen you're going to run this pace on your gps because you know on climbs you can only do all that stuff great if it if it somehow works for you which i cannot believe then fantastic but uh yeah getting that natural feel is going to be the way to go but sorry i will uh get back to a story my uh my first tour de france uh with with green edge we uh we had a really good year the uh garrow got the jersey and and then daryl got the jersey and you know it's just mayhem you know so much excitement and and one of the things people don't realize about the tour maybe they do but it's not just like the the riding day today, you know, heavy stages and so on. It's like all of the other crap that comes with it. It's just, it's full on all the time. It's just, you know, when you're trying to get to the bus or trying to get to the hotel or whatever, it's just, it's too much. You know, it's a, it's a really crazy event. And uh, anyways, I was really, uh, I was just psyched every day. Had this great job where we're riding for, with the reason. And, and this goes back to the mindset. It's super powerful when you have... Uh, a great job like that because you just uh, there's nothing I've seen teams that on paper should never be able to do what they're doing but because they have the yellow jersey behind them their guys are just turning themselves inside out which is really fascinating to watch and I was uh, doing a lot of work let's put it that way every day riding the front uh, you know I wanted to save the guys we had basically a team of sprinters so you know we, there was a few of us, me and uh, Stuart O'Grady, and jeez, um, who else was up there? Uh, Cam Meyer. We were doing a lot of lot of turns on the front, and, and uh, every day I was hammering myself, and every day I was like, well, this could be the last one, you know? And I rode with that mindset, not worrying about the future, and I was like, whatever happens, you can only get stronger through this. <laughs> and some people might see that as a really 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe not such a smart move, but in, in, in my head, that's how I kind of see things. Like the only way you're going to get better is through massive adaptation, through a lot of stress, through a lot of workload. And sometimes you just have to, you just have to do it. And, and uh, so that, that first uh, 10 days was massive. I, I don't think I've ever ridden that hard in my life. And then from that point on, we didn't have much uh, left to do because we weren't a GC team and, and uh, we'd, we'd come what we wanted to do. So we've, we've kind of ticked off all the boxes and, and then for myself, it was just to get through. And I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I look back at that, uh, the final week in the, in the Alps, you know, I've never struggled so badly. You know, I, I'd be going up a climb going as hard as I can and this is where my body was at it was really telling me to just really stop I was riding as hard as I could and if I saw 140 beats on my heart rate monitor that would be surprising because my heart rate was so suppressed and this was what happens in the Grand Tour it's like your body's just the nervous system's like no more no we're, we're not doing this and you keep pushing and pushing <laughs> and uh, geez I'll never forget the the final day before Paris was uh, just a short uh, mountain stage, and those are the worst because when you're talking about time cut, you really have a short window. And uh, I remember we hit kilometer zero on a Cat One climb, and I remember you see like 20k to the KOM <laughs> from kilometer zero, and I was I was dropped basically right from the the get go. But you know I'm a bit stubborn and. Uh, I just I just kept riding and riding and riding and uh, you know I made it to the the last group pedal on the road just before the finish and solo I was, that was a day that was a day I will never forget to the day I die but really it was just my mindset I was like oh, I'm finishing this I came to finish this thing and there's so much power in that I'm not trying to say that I'm special or something amazing it was just that I believed that I came here to finish that bloody thing and that's what I wanted to do and the emotions and the pain and all that stuff it was uh, it was nothing compared to finishing on the Champs-Élysées and <laughs> you know that was uh, it was worth everything so yeah it's that's kind of how life is I think you you always have to be willing to uh, take it a little uh, further than you think sometimes just to see what uh, what happens yeah i mean that kind of sums up basically uh what i started off the podcast with is um whether you think you can do something or not you are usually right so uh i just guess it comes down to the whole aspect of the power of belief but a few other things you touched on there was um I guess one thing to be good at any sport particularly an endurance sport you need to enjoy suffering and uh, I guess it's something myself and yourself have experienced uh, quite a lot saying uh, almost now for yeah two decades but um, if you want to experience um, no if you want to get better at something you have to be prepared to get out of your comfort zone obviously and if you get out of your comfort zone you therefore have to be ready and and not just ready and and know that it's coming you actually have to have this kind of sick inner enjoyment of it as well 
And I guess through, you know, all of the long ultra stuff I've done, running fasted for, you know, hours, and I've done a lot of big bike stuff as well, and uh, all of these things add up, and you you go through a lot of hurts, but the, it's not like again, it's not like you're just trying to be the tough guy. It's just that you you kind of almost funnily enough enjoy what you're doing enjoy the suffering part because you know that that it's just another part of the big picture and again you you need to be always looking at the big picture and the the suffering just fits very very nicely in right yeah and uh i, I might share another story from way back one and it, it's along those lines but um it was one of my uh before i ever was bike racing i did some trips on like bike touring with my dog and trailer and i went up to alaska a couple of times down mexico way and just all over living basically on the road like a hobo and uh, the first time i went up to alaska i went super early like way too early for you know it's still snowing it was uh it was like beginning of may which when you're way up north in canada is still proper winter anyways my whole plan was to uh do it like proper pioneer style and just use like a, a woolen blanket and use no no synthetics i didn't i didn't uh, have a tent or anything like that i built fires every night for for cooking and I was just hard-headed and I don't know where I got this idea or why I was doing it in that way but I was just like yeah I'm gonna do it like people did back in the day mm. <laughs> I remember I got sick and I suffered man I remember there were some nights it was like minus 10 minus 15 I was up on this high plateau and uh, kind of uh, close to the Yukon and just freezing in my woolen blanket and just going like what the hell am I doing this for you know but I, I, I look back now and, and this is something I'm so I'm proud of that I did that but it gave me so much to work with later on in life and um, it was it was just my belief that did that I set that up for, for myself but it just gave me tools down the road to to really understand that that part of myself and I'm not saying everyone needs to go and do something like that but I'm saying that was a mindset that I that I'd created in my head and believed in so much and I I completed that trip and I, I stuck to my guns I didn't buy anything fancy or new or synthetic and it's crazy it's uh, I'll tell you right now it's ridiculous to do something like that but I'm really really glad that I did that because I learned so much in that time but I also really learned about the power of belief yeah man um that sounds uh sounds like something stupid i i would have done as well so where uh, yeah sometimes it comes down to being stubbornly stupid but at the end of the day just just kind of going with it and exp and and coming out the other end um look i mean we can go on and on about this but we'll wrap it up and i'll just wrap it up with something that i have found helped me quite a lot just in the last few years is a, a very short book easy to read called stop thinking start living and it's by uh, 
an author Richard Carlson I think don't don't quote me on that but if you just look up stop thinking start living uh, just to give people a quick snapshot and maybe something that anyone can take home right away is when you're thinking about something it's only an imaginary thing it hasn't actually happened so no matter what your thoughts are on how much you believe in them especially if they are negative thoughts they're only an imaginary creation something that you created in your head that is like i said it's it's not real so when you actually start understanding that about your thoughts and you start realizing that they're not actually real it allows you to um yeah it just allows you to accept things a little bit better and just have you know not have so much of a uh um not allow your thoughts to worry worry you as much i guess right uh so anti-fragile there's lots of stuff there that we would be we would recommend people look into um and yeah there's lots of other stuff like the power of the now and all that kind of thing but at the end of the day all of these things are always still connected to everything else that we've been talking about because the mind out of everything is affected by how connected you are with all of the other aspects of your life so um uh, this is why we're not trying to isolate anything here with what we talk about it's not like you just need to be you know believe in yourself and be anti-fragile and um, have a positive state of mind and everything will be okay it's like your nutrition affects your state of mind your environment your sleep your t uh, your 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 time with technology etc 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 the list goes on um, so we'll just wrap it up with that saying uh, anything any little uh, any little things that you help have helped you along the way understand things or understand yourself or that you could uh, recommend you know uh, I, I would keep it pretty simple because there's a ton of things uh, and yeah we could go on for ages on that but I would say just spend some time by yourself Spend some time by yourself somewhere in an environment free of distraction. And yeah. you'll, you'll really start to, uh, for some it might be really scary, but uh, hey, we've got to face ourselves at some point. You know? Yeah, it's very true. And the more the modern day world goes, the less time people are spending with themselves. So uh, that's a big one. Um, right, we'll wrap it up. Episode 12 the connected athlete state of mind that's it uh, alright Svein thanks again and we will speak to you again soon sounds good bud cheers bye bye bye